0: we are back for another episode of the MMA report podcast i am jason floyd that is daniel gavon we're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts appreciate you taking time out of your day to download listen or watch this episode of the podcast of course you can always check the show out on the podcasting platforms our podcast spotify also you can check out the video over youtube i'm trying to figure out how to get the video on spotify as well so appreciate everyone who takes the time to do it tune in every week of course uh, we're here to talk about everything we got uh, a little update on the UFC gambling probe UFC 293 is on Saturday night here in the United States Sunday morning down in Australia plus we got to talk about the comments that Don Davis one of the head guys over there at PFL had to say and of course Dana White's reaction Dana White also responding to Bellator uh, being on the market and so much more Daniel happy Thursday morning how you doing man
1: well it's good to be here it's Football Thursday in America. Thursday Night Football NFL is back, so there's a special energy in the air. Got a UFC pay per view this week, although sadly I have to pay to watch it. Um, but overall, I'm pretty I'm pretty jazzed up. Jason, how are you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing good, man. Doing good, man. It's been a, it's been a rough uh, last week for me. as uh, my back flared up on me, and uh, you know, ended up going uh, going to see the doctor and uh, giving me some good medicine that uh, put me in a much better place now than I was about six days ago. Uh, I was not moving around very fast. I, I pretty much uh, just stayed in the bed and, and relaxed at home all weekend long, just kind of recovering here. But uh, you know, obviously, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be in uh, I'll be in Minneapolis uh, this weekend, so I was looking at that weather, and uh, since you know you're. Texas, I'm in Florida. We know what our weather's like. I was like, that weather's like, ooh, this is going to be nice.
1: Yeah, man, I'm jealous of you. I got to go out to 100-some degree weather. That's crazy. We were both hopped up this weekend. Um, I did a stone-cold stunner in, my ma- in one of my matches, and I landed straight on my asshole, and I bruised my tailbone, and I was in bed for three straight days because the thing about your tailbone is it is connected to every part of your body. And I also could not do anything. And right now I'm sitting down and it still hurts a little bit. So I'll be standing up periodically throughout this podcast. But uh, yeah, uh, while you were hobbled up with your back, man, I was hobbled up with the broken asshole. So, uh, you know, here here we are. And last time it was the hurricanes we were facing. This time it was the pain. But we'll, we'll persevere, my man.
0: Yeah, man. But, uh, you know, we got a ton to talk about in terms of the world of MMA. You know, I, I feel like it was, I don't know, maybe maybe two, three weeks ago, me and you were sitting here and, you know, we were kind of talking about uh, this. You know, hey, we really haven't heard much about the, the UFC gambling betting probe. But uh, we got a little update this week. This comes from Mark Ramondi over at ESPN.com. Uh, we'll put the uh, the link to this article in, in the show notes. So if you want to go and check it out, Where the title of the article is UFC Enhances Hunt to Stop Betting by Fighters, Others in MMA. May and in this article uh, it says UFC will use the program pro a bet to expand its compliance with gambling regulations by catching fires and others around the sport trying to place bet the promotion announced Wednesday uh, wagers uh, through pro bet I hope I'm saying that correctly it says wagers made by prohibited bettors described in a release as UFC athletes coaches employees and officials would be flagged by regulatory bodies and organizations uh, and, and so this and obviously uh, there's a, a document and a video that was send UFC fighters and one thing that's interesting if you look at this document if you go to Mark Ramondi's Twitter account you'll see it um, yeah James Krauss photo right in this document that was sent to fighters
1: he is being used as the example and that will be his legacy and that sucks for James Krause but probably shouldn't have done what he did in terms of you know well we don't know exactly what did actually so I can't even assume what he did because the The information that has come out of the James Kraus investigation, the Molina investigation, the Derek Minner investigation, it's been incredibly limited. But James Kraus is being used as the poster boy for gambling and and what fighters and coaches should not do. At the end of the day, if you're a UFC fighter, a UFC coach, don't, don't gamble on fights. You're going to get caught. You know, this to me is the message that is being sent with this partnership. Because every single day when I go on to ESPN.com, I see another person getting caught in other sports. Whether it be even collegiate athletics or professional sports, you are seeing random players get caught. So that lets me know that these types of partnerships do work. And if you gamble and you're not supposed to, they will find out.
0: And in this article, it says the FBI investigation into the matter is still ongoing. Also, uh, you know, talk about this video that was sent out there. Uh, this is a, a quote that was in the video per this this article. It says these prohibited insiders can be a coach, manager, handler, athletic trainer, medical professional, staff, relative living in the same household as an athlete and or any person with access to non public information regarding participants in any match. It goes. The article goes on to say. The video states in a graphic that the U.S. Integrity identified a potential illegal betting ring organized by a prominent MMA trainer with a photo across above it. The graphic states that the U.S. Integrity turned over all anonymous tips, including details of the illegal bookie operation, to the appropriate authorities who issued subpoenas for all involved individuals. Uh, In Another graphic that in June 2022, U.S. Integrity identified a fighter who bet on himself for a fight on Dana Weiss's contender series with a photo of Dana Pazuka above the text. The video says the agency has identified several fighters who bet on themselves. In many instances, these fighters did, did not realize that they were not only violating state regulations, but also state laws by wagering on their own event. The video adds that according to UFC athlete conduct policy, any wagering on UFC fights individually or through a third party could lead to offenders facing contractual penalties, suspensions, and or terminations. Um, you know, I think probably the biggest thing you, you take out of it is the fact of, you know, ESPN has sources saying that this investigation is still going forward. And, you know, we, we haven't heard from James Krause. I mean, he's pretty much disappeared. Uh, we have not seen him. Jeff Molina, of course, who is currently uh, under suspension by the Nevada State Athletic Commission, which all is, is related to this. He pretty much we've not heard from him since I want to say about March. I know he's done some play, uh, some color commentary role for FAC, which used to be James Krause's promotion. But uh, you know he's a guy that we haven't heard from, and uh, you know I think the longer it goes on, it, it really you know it, it's it's and I know we've we've said this before. The question I think you ultimately have is how deep does this go when we're talking about fighters who are currently in the UFC or who have been in the UFC and kind of what was maybe going on
1: yeah I, I don't know when something like that is going to drop and it probably won't drop the rest of the year for all i know i mean things drop at random times like i said like we have alluded to i guarantee you today bell will get sold i guarantee you today bell will get sold that will happen the james yeah. cross news will happen
0: it, it'll get announced about five minutes after we finish recording the show
1: yeah that will happen the james cross series will happen after we record i just don't know if it's going to be this year or next year Uh, when that happens so that's interesting i mean a lot of what's in the report is public information this betting ring that james grass is a part of is something he advertised publicly on his youtube channel
0: and and also you go on the biggest mma podcast in the world and tell everybody what you're doing
1: yeah exactly dennis bazooka who that caught me off guard and then I did a Google search and realized he revealed that information when it happened that he gambled on himself and he wasn't, excuse me, the only fighter, a lot of fighters bet on themselves. I think Floyd Mayweather may have normalized this idea. Um, We go back to that one fighter, she's a female fighter and she said that either her boyfriend or husband or fiance bet on her. Oh. Don't recall who who I'm talking about. I'm sure if I do a Google search, I'll figure it out. Actually, pretty pretty quickly. It was, um,
0: the first thing that came to my mind. I know I'm not right on this. Andrea Lee. But it, it's a female fighter uh, who fought within the last like three months.
1: Sam Hughes. Yeah, Sam Hughes was the fighter. Uh, I'm pretty sure Anthony Pettis bet on Sergio Pettis. I'm pretty sure they made a fun joke about that or something along those lines. But that's a normal part of, of fight culture. Is people betting on themselves so that's what this part of the process is jason educating people that they can't do this
0: yeah i mean i think it becomes a really weird situation is like you know let's just say you're you're john smith you're fighting a, a ufc card in vegas what we're talking about an apex car or pay-per-view and what if like your cousin go bets money you have no idea he went and bet money on you like I, I don't see that to me is this part of this this policy that ufc has out there of you know when they're talking about relatives like here, here's the air thing in the, the media landscape, in the content creator landscape, there's times I know things. So you, are you going to go after a, a member of the MA media that might know something and maybe capitalized on it?
1: I think so, because I think what they're tackling is people who have insider information and are using that to gamble. And I think that is the crux of what's going on, right? If you're a cousin of somebody, maybe you can gamble if you don't know crap about your f- writer but if you're a cousin who goes to camp and sees something then maybe so so I think that is the crux but you bring up a good point in that there is a history of gambling where I know something that you don't know so I'm going to wager on this team you know I know that um I subscribe to this information source and this information source is going to tell me all this analysis about this team or injury updates before other people get it. Like that's kind of a part of the fun for a gambling fan throughout the 2000s and the 2010s is getting that edge on somebody. I mean, that's kind of the whole idea of gambling. Is it not if you want to make money is getting that edge to make money. Yeah. So I mean, that, I mean, this simply put, this is a very great area type of topic.
0: Oh, very much so. I mean, look, it's it's as sports betting becomes more accessible for someone, you know? I mean, you you think about it, the UFC is in a is holding an event in a state where someone can be just on their phone and be able to legally place a bet. I mean, it's, you know, every state is it's I would imagine within the next 5 years, sports betting is probably legalized in every every state in the United States.
1: Oh, that would be great. I'm not holding my breath. I don't think it's going to happen in Texas in five years, but I would love it. I would absolutely love it, love it. But some some states are just real stubborn.
0: Well, I mean, I I, I guess my perspective on it is is I, I just think that states look at the tax revenue that can pr- be brought in with having sports betting legalized and what kind of revenue it could bring into the state. That's why I, I just really feel like. Within the next five years, I, I think we're talking about not only is sports betting legalized by states through you know every state, but I think we're going to see marijuana recreationally legal because states are going to see how much revenue can be brought in from taxes. I mean, it's 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 like you always say, follow the money, and, and there's there's a lot of money sitting out there.
1: Yeah, money certainly talks. So I think both those things are, are likely. And as gambling gets legal, these are the types of situations that will happen. These betting partnerships, this education of fighters on what you can and cannot do. That's the ugly part of the process. Some people are going to get caught in it. James Krause may, in fact, go to jail, but he also may have done a little more than just a misunderstanding. We still don't know that.
0: Hey, to me, it's 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 more of a question of how deep does this go and who's going to turn on who. You know, it's just gonna be interesting once everything is kind of put out into public knowledge what that's going to be. Uh, another uh, notable topic over the past couple of days, of course, we're going to get into UFC 293 coming up here in a little bit. Don Davis, one of the head guys over there at PFL, he was on the front office sports podcast and he had some interesting quotes, Daniel, uh, on the podcast. And here's what he said. He goes, quote, the biggest thing that PFL has done for the MMA industry is creating opportunity. Prior to us, if you were a fighter, you did not have another premium company to go to other than the UFC. Yes, you had options, but, but they didn't have global distribution, premium pay, the best distribution and brand, great organization to work for until the PFL came along. So think of it as if you worked in a small company town with no car. You had to take those company options that they gave you. There's now two companies in, the, in that town and you have a car. That's the analogy I like to give if you're a fighter today. UFC is a great company, but PFL is a great company. We do everything they do, and we do some things better. One, we pay better, and two, you're in control in the PFL. You're not under somebody's thumb. What you do inside the cage controls your future. We've never had a fire lead the PFL in five years. We're not a feeder league. Not one has ever left. When they get here, they go, this is fantastic, and two, We've recruited a lot from the other guys, Francis Ngannou being the latest and the biggest, so we think our system of treating athletes first will prove to be a better system long-term, but the best thing we can do for the fighter in the industry and our company is be fighter first and create opportunity. All right, Daniel, there's a lot of things we can take in from this quote. Let me go back to the quote of, you're in control in the PFL.
1: (laughs) Yeah, can, can we can we can we
0: get Natan Schultz on the phone and uh, and see if he uh, believes what Don Davis had to say there? I mean, like, and also like, yeah, there's been fighters who left the PFL. Let's 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 call it what it is. But I'm not going to get upset with what Don Davis here. Don Davis is doing here. He's promoting his product. I get what he's saying, but like, even though it didn't happen on Tuesday night when Danny White talked to the media, Don Davis at some point, if you keep poking the bear. That bear is going to buy back, and we. Yeah. Anyone who's been in this NBA industry long enough, we have seen when you poke Dana White enough, at some point he's going to go off on you.
1: You've been getting you've been getting at this for a while, and this was the first week where I really saw what you're talking about, and I kind of see that this will play out that way, where the PFL will piss off the UFC, will piss off Dana, and they will. Re- well, they will retaliate, and again, I watched this press conference. And Dana was actually very forgiving of Don Davis for his quotes. So they haven't poked the bear quite yet, but they're getting there. They certainly are getting there. And this was the first time where I kind of saw, like, damn, they're going to, they're going to eventually piss off the UFC. Now, who knows how valuable that Disney partnership is? I can't even watch ESPN right now. Uh, I have freaking Spectrum. And, yeah, so I don't even care anymore. ESPN, Who? I mean, gosh, I can't watch ESPN. I'm pissed off. I'm really pissed off at ESPN and Spectrum for screwing me over from football. I can't – never mind. I digress. Um, (laughs) Okay, first off, I love that you brought up Nathan Schultz. And, again, for those that didn't pick up on what you were saying, I think most did. uh, Schultz and Montiel had a fight at PFL6. They were training partners. They didn't want to fight, so they essentially had a glorified – I mean, Sean Strickland's sparring matches are more violent than what we saw there. So – The PFL punished them by not putting them in the next round of the tournament. So obviously fighters don't control their future in the PFL. Um, Yeah, I I get Don Davis is promoting his product, but for the love of God, can we have a promoter who's not always so full of it in this sport? Why is this the norm of promoters of just lying and saying things? The idea that the PFL is the first ever option is insane. People could make a living. Uh, When you look at active mixed martial arts promotions that pay well, you have Bellator, you have 1FC, you have Ryzen Fighting Championship. I imagine if you go a main event in Poland, you may make a pretty penny or whatever they pay out over there. Before that, Strike Force, WEC, Pride Fighting Championship, there were uh, the Elite XC, there were places people could go to make a living in this sport and sometimes get paid more than to fight in the UFC. So that is the thing I was kind of harping on. And that to me is the biggest issue with Don Davis' perspective on PFL is it just – it rubs me the wrong way because it just comes like they're living in their own reality. And I hate when people live in their own reality and, and, and create fake ideas that they promote as real.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think like you know, and 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 look, I've always said this. I want to see the PFL succeed because the PFL succeeding is going to be good for the industry. And you know, there there are things that I like that they do. There is some things I sit back and I just go like, like let's look at first the face of your promotions. Kayla Harrison is she going to fight in twenty twenty three? Maybe she's on the the November twenty fourth uh, card. Maybe she's not. Ray Cooper, III, one of your most you know highly touted fighters. He's not fighting this season because he wants to fight at 185 pounds. And he doesn't want to cut to 170, but you don't have a middleweight tournament. You know, that. that's the things like I, I, like I said, I don't blame Don Davis for what he said. Because he's just promoting his product. But there's also times where he spews certain things. And, and like, I'll sit here and say this. As a combat sports fan, I don't give a shit about your distribution. I care about... High quality fights. Give me a reason to tune into it. And that to me is there's just a lot of times in the PFL, it's I'll watch it after a fact. You know, you give me like a clay-collared uh Shane Burgos fight. Yeah, I'm gonna tune in. But that to me is like I just every time I see that he talk global distribution. I'm like, Combat sports don't fans don't give a crap. We care about what type of product you're putting on. Now, Dana White, you mentioned about his comments. That he had to say on Tuesday following uh, the contender series said, quote, there's one of two things in that, that that's either a lot of delusion or he's uninformed. Almost everything in that statement is incorrect, except for what happens in the cage determines your future. I think that's only right thing that he said. As you know what? Good for him. Get out there. Fucking let's fire it up. Let's whatever. It's all good. I've said this before about the PFL. I have no beef with those guys. Those guys have always been stand up guys and have always been classy when it comes to the business. These guys are in this to compete with us, and I respect that. There's been plenty of people who have opened their checkbook to be a competitor. It's not about money. As I sit back and being in this for 23 years, I watch everything that is done wrong. One of the big things he said in there that is absolutely false is they pay more than the UFC. It's just absolutely positively not true, but I do see them waste unbelievable amounts of money. You can waste unbelievable amounts of money for so long, no matter how much money someone has. If you go to dictionary and look up the word business, there's business and then there's charity. I'm involved in both. I run a business and I do a lot of things for charity. Most of these other guys are all running charities, not businesses. Like I said, you can only do that for so long before it runs out and it ends. So we'll see. When you guys ask me these kind of questions, you ask me like, this is the first time I've seen things like this. Like it's the first time somebody with money is getting involved. It's about a lot more than money. And it. To me, that is Dana White going, hey, guys, every year you talk about how much money is being invested in your promotion. At what point you going to make a profit?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's also Dana White kind of been there, done that. I've seen several promotions try and threaten us, and no one has really come at us in a, in a, in a formidable way. You know, PFL hasn't really had success in the marketplace so we can talk about the distribution and it's great that they're on ESPN, but they've been around for a while now. And who has strong opinions about PFL fighters? It's not a promotion that has penetrated the casual mixed martial arts fans consciousness. And the fact that Kayla Harrison hasn't fought this year is a travesty. Seriously. She's 32, 33 years old and she's 33 now, but she spent her whole year during that time of her life not competing. It's absurd. It's absurd that that was taken away from her and taken away from mixed martial arts fans to see her compete like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's and once again, this is not me trying to be negative. This is just just being honest here. I work in the bar industry, in the restaurant industry. Has a manager or a customer said, "Can you put on the PFL fights"? No. Have they asked to put the Bellator fights on? No. Like, that's where, like, I, I like what the PFL is doing, but it, it's one of these things of, like, you got to put on fights that fans want to see. And if you sit there and tell me the face of your promotion doesn't fight for all of 2023 and she's healthy enough to fight, what's going on here?
1: Yeah. And you talk about fighters not wanting to leave your promotion. She wanted to leave. And it's the contract she originally signed. She had to stay, mm-hmm. so it's not like everything's hunky dory over there. But yeah, Dana. Dana was absolutely on one. I mean, the post-fight press conference was more entertaining than the contender series fights. It's like, damn, I'll pay a ESPN Plus subscription just to watch Dana go for it. I mean, he had his huge arms that he's just kind of showing with the, they're all crossed. I'm just like, damn, look at those forearms, Dana you're you've been working out my man and he was just he was ready to unleash on the post fight press conference
0: yeah i mean i mean look it's it's one of these things i mean he i mean he literally i mean we, we talked about this now for a couple of weeks now like if you are riding a two fight losing streak you better win because they're adding i mean it, it's like between three and five contracts are being awarded out every week and if you are if you've lost two in a row your days in the UFC are probably over because they they need to clear roster space. Bro,
1: you got to know, like, people love different things. Like, my girlfriend loves chocolate. Endeavor loves cheap labor. So, uh, they will continue to do this contender series like it's nothing. I mean, the one thing is the PFO does pay some fighters more than the UFC pays some fighters. The UFC pays some fighters more than – the UFC pays their top-end fighters more than the PFL pays their top-end fighters regularly. Uh, but the PFL pays guys like Shane Burgos more than he would make in the UFC. But, uh, yeah, Endeavor loves cheap labor. They love margins, oh. and uh, they're going to continue to expose that part of the industry until people unionize, which won't happen.
0: But the reality is this PFL has to overpay for fighters. I mean, Bellator has to overpay for fighters to get them not to go to the UFC. I mean, it's just – I mean, look, and there's there's sometimes when we do see the school salaries of PFL, and I'm like, damn, good for them. I mean, you know, there's, there's fighters that if they were in the UFC, they're probably make, maybe making half of what they're making in the PFL. I mean, it's great for fighters. You know, and, and you know, of course, we're going to see uh, what happens with, uh, you know. I mean, we, I think we're all kind of expecting at any moment now, we're going to hear that the PFL has acquired Bellator. And uh, Dana White did have a quote about Bellator being sold. and uh, Classic Dana White quote? Would that be about the way to put it?
1: Just about. Just so, about classic <laughs> Dana White. He was OG, OG for him.
0: Here is uh, Dana White, uh, as he was asked, uh, I forget who in the media asked him about this, but this quote was, why on God's green fucking earth would anybody buy Bellator? So what we are just talking about business and making the right moves and right decisions, there's been a lot of bad ones. Bellator would be one of the fucking biggest. Why anyone would buy Bellator's besides me, but hey. What do I know? I'll just sit back and see how this plays out. I'm excited. Bellator, five hundred million, awesome. Sounds like a steal. Sounds like a fucking steal. Buy that thing quick before who else does. Come on, guys. This is fucking silly. Silly. I don't know where this five hundred million number came from. It, but I'll say this: if Viacom sells Bellator for five hundred million, whoever negotiated that deal better be getting a commission on that deal. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I doubt that it's going to sell for $500 million. I mean, seriously, like Strikeforce and Pride sold for far less than $100 million. And uh, I would say both companies are probably worth more than Bellator. Um, obviously, the one difference is inflation. Prices have gone up, but they haven't gone up that tremendously. The Strikeforce and Pride rosters were just more marketable than the Bellator rosters. The Strike Force and Pride Tape Libraries. Well, the Bellator Tape Library is probably more valuable than the Strike Force Tape Library, but the Pride Tape Library is more valuable than the than the Bellator tape library. So that's kind of what you're buying if you're buying Bellator, if you're buying a dead promotion, is the fighters, what? the ability to negotiate with the fighters and the tape library. And so that's where the value is. And obviously it's not worth five hundred million dollars. And to be frank, I don't think it's worth more than a hundred million dollars to to negotiate with Bellator's fighters and get their tape library.
0: Yeah, I mean if you're talking about if you're PFL, what what are you buying? Okay, you're buying a library and you're buying fighter contracts. You know, it's not like if, you know, John Smith who has who's a billionaire comes in and buys Bellator, then, you know, obviously they need a TV deal part of it. And and look, the key thing to me with PFL is what happens after conclusion of the season are they on ESPN in 2024 if they're not on ESPN and they're somewhere else what does that viewership look like you know I mean look ESPN is is a king of sports and, and that's where you want your product and you know it it's only a matter of time but it's and I keep going back to something that was said to me weeks ago where this person in the industry said that to me they said they did not believe that PFL acquiring Bellator would be what's best for the industry. They thought what would be best for the industry is that someone else would come in and run Bellator. And you know, and the other thing is, is like if, if PFL merges the Bellator roster into their roster, are fighters going to be able to get three fights a year? I think the
1: roster size will have to be cut down. Because there aren't going to be that many more fights to accommodate both roster sizes. So to get three, four fights a year, no, probably not. Uh, it's going to make the tournaments a whole lot more interesting. It's going to make the product a lot more interesting because Bellator does have a really great roster. You think of AJ McKee, you think of Patricio Pitbull, you think of the champions in each and every weight class and some of those two to three contenders and you mix them in with the PFL, the PFL now becomes a much more interesting 2024. So that's what makes it exciting. Is it worth $100 million? No, it's not. That roster is not worth $100 million. You know, Aaron Pico and AJ McKee one day may make the UFC $100 million on pay per view buys. It's unlikely, but it's possible. But overall, if you're the PFL, you aren't going to get that return on investment. But you will have a much better 2024 season if you have those Bellator fighters under contract, and you'll have Cyborg Kayla Harrison, which will be a nice little fight, and it will do good on pay per view.
0: That's a pay per view fight, you know. And, and that's that's the thing we keep talking about is, you know, what fights you're going to put on pay per view. I mean, obviously, we'll see who Francis Ngannou fights on, on pay per view in 2024. Uh, you're obviously going to put Jake Paul. I mean, I. I I do kind of wonder how much interest there really is in the MMA space to buy a Jake Paul pay-per-view. I I, I just don't think – I feel like, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, I feel like that, that balloon has busted, that the, the intrigue with Jake Paul has gone away.
1: I think it's still there, but it's diminished, and I think it's really going to depend on his opponent to how big of a deal it'll be.
0: At some point, yeah. he's got to fight a real boxer, man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The one real yeah. boxer he fought, he lost to.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's diminished a little bit. But in Mixed Martial Arts, a new frontier, I mean, the the biggest problem with Jake Paul's marketing, in my opinion, is he made money getting people to pay to watch him get his ass kicked. And then he started becoming likable. If he wants to make money in Mixed Martial Arts, he needs to get people to pay money to watch him get his ass embarrassed. And then people will purchase that pay-per-view. They'll buy that story. They want to see Jake Paul get humbled. That's how he makes money. That's how he should promote himself. And whether it be, you know, like a matchup with Nate Diaz in MMA cage, that would do big business, in my opinion.
0: It, it would, but like in terms of boxing, fight a real boxer. Like, mm. I, I, I stop trying to fight MMA fighters.
1: He's trying to win. You know,
0: that. that's He's just trying where am
1: at. He's trying to win, bro.
0: No, I get it. I get it, but it's like. If you want my eighty dollars, you gotta. You got. Let yeah. me see you go up against a real boxer. Let's see how good you are. If you, if you're that, oh, yeah. if you if you believe in your abilities that much, fight real fight. Someone who boxes. They're not an MMA fighters going to come into a boxing ring. Yeah, it's two no, different sports.
1: Yeah, and, and and I think that's definitely why people have stopped caring as much about Jake Paul. Is they're ready for the next thing? And he lost already. He lost to Tommy Tommy Fury. And it was a close fight, though. But still, didn't get his hand raised.
0: Before we get into UFC 293, just kind of talk a little briefly about what we saw at UFC Paris. And I want to mention this Rose Namajunas quote. As uh, it became very noticeable when she was walking to the Octagon on Saturday there in Paris, that there was someone noticeably missing from her corner. And that was Trevor Whitman. And, uh, she was on her Instagram and she, uh, did a video and she said, quote, everybody wants to talk shit on Pat and just make assumptions because that's the way things are. No matter what people are just going to assume that he's the reason why Trevor wasn't in my corner. It has, it has nothing to do with Pat. It has everything to do with me and Gaethje and him having a fight with the BMF and all that stuff. And I did not want to interfere. And I stayed back. There's more to it than that, but for the most part, that's all I can think I want to say about it because of our relationships are very – we're very close people, and it's nobody's business. And uh, really the thing that people are really touting to is after her first round where um, she's got a broken finger, and Pat's like, don't worry about that broken finger.
1: It's the type of advice that works if it's UOC 27. But it's no longer UFC 27. It's UFC two, 293. Is what we're looking forward to. So it's just it's just it's meathead cornering. Now I don't know I don't know if God Himself was in the corner if she would have been able to beat Manon Furio, because Manone was just on one in that fight. She was just a much better stand-up fighter. The size difference was an issue. And yes, Rose broke her finger in round one. Yeah. So when you are already going in with that disadvantage and you have a broken finger on one of your powerful tools, it was just a bad situation. Rose had a tough opponent, tough ask, and things were not looking good, man, for her. and. And uh, I I don't know what's next for Rose Namahunas. This was one of her more disappointing performances in her career. Uh, Again, she's a legend, a former champion, a badass fighter. But this is one of those things where next time she comes out, she's got to go out there to perform and and do well if she wants to become a champion again. Or else she can kind of see her grip over that idea starting to loosen. And it started kind of here in France.
0: Yeah, Dana White mentioned that Rose is going to come to Vegas. He's going to do dinner with her and kind of decide what's kind of next for her. I mean, the one thing in, in watching that fight that really just stuck out to me is you, you could just see the size difference between, you know, and, and I never thought Rose was a big 115er, and you could just see the, the strength of difference there. Uh, Got to give it up for uh, Benas St. Denis, man. Going out there, getting that second round finish there. Uh, I, I'll say this the referee gave Diaco Moses every opportunity to stay in this matchup. Uh, so, to gave some kudos to him. Him there um you know we had a fight where you know kind of was a, a little i don't know how much of a questionable stoppage it was with the william gomez or Dude, he, he got kicked in the balls my man got kicked in the pee, and he lost the fight it's right at the bell line though i mean like
1: bro he got kicked in the balls all right here's the thing here's the thing we have to give fighters the benefit of the doubt if they act like they got kicked in the ding dong and we know what that it, it's whenever you get kicked and you're like, oh, all right. We all know what that face looks like. We have to trust people that if they are displaying, I got kicked in the privates. We we're like, like, bro, Jason, you're telling me if you get kicked in the belt line the exact same way he got kicked by William Gomez, your your balls aren't hurting. All right,
0: I, I don't, I don't want to know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know that feeling. Can we stop looking at the slow-mo
1: replay and be like, "Oh, he hit him in the kidney." Like, no, bro. He he grazed his pecker. And grazing your pecker from a mixed martial artist kick still hurts. Can we stop judging people and being like, "Oh, he didn't actually get hit in the ding-dong." Nah. If he act like he got hit in the balls, let's give that person the benefit of the doubt. I'm that's my that's my soapbox. Let people get hit in the balls and just just believe them. Okay, because if you're if you're if you're Giannis Gamori, you know, you're out there at the aqua arena. The French crowd is going bananas. They are badass. You want to perform. You really think you want to go out there and pretend like you got hit in the balls? No, you want to go out there and fight and knock a dude out. Give a dude the benefit of the
0: doubt. You got got to sell better, though. If you're a fighter, you got to sell better. (laughs) He He didn't sell. He didn't sell good enough. He, you, you he got to be you got to be like an NFL punter who just gets grace. You got to act like you just got shot in the leg. Yeah, maybe they do
1: need to get educated by them or uh even yeah, I think that's hilarious.
0: I mean, don't <laughs> don't pop up like nothing happened. I mean, dude, he popped up like nothing happened.
1: But he still act, you know, he's he still acted in a way where he got hit in the balls. And yeah, that was that was to me that was a bad stoppage. And honestly, that should get overturned to a no contest, in it my won't. opinion. It won't. It won't. Yeah. I mean, they're moving on to the next thing. But uh, yeah. yeah, dude, I just look. The big takeaway is France card was awesome in terms of the crowd was awesome. Cyril Gon easily dispatched a Sergey Spivak. I mean, this was a return to form for the title challenger, and Gon needed this type of performance in the baddest way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, was just, I pull up the, the heavyweight rankings. Of course, uh, Sergey Pavlovich is the backup fighter for the Jones-Meoches fight. Of course, that's going to be the you November know, pay-per-view. And then, of course, you know, you got Tom Aspinall at four. You got Curtis Blades sitting there. Uh, then six and seven, is Stato Iwasa and Alexander Volkov. I mean, I would imagine that Pavlovich will get the winner of Jones-Meoches, saying Jones-Meoches does happen on, on November 12th. Um, but then, like, if I look at Surreal Ghosn, I, I think the fight that makes the most sense would be him versus Tom Aspinall.
1: I feel like that's what they were leaning towards throughout the broadcast is Tom Aspinall's in the crowd. Aspinall getting booed. Great European matchup. And I do think it's a no-brainer. I really think Gon and Aspinall makes the most sense. Ghana is going to have to have a long road back to challenge for John Jones's championship if John Jones holds on to that title. Because that last fight was embarrassing for Cyril Gon. So how are you going to convince consumers to pay money to watch Gon challenge for the title again? Well, how are you gonna do it? Gone's gotta go on a hell of a run. He's gotta take out those top contenders. And for him, it's Tom Aspinall. You gotta put that fight in Europe. Let's get it. Let's get it on.
0: And another big heavyweight fight that's happened in November, Curtis Blades versus Jolton Almeida. If Almeida gets through blades, He's going to be a guy that's in that conversation as well. A guy that's uh, taking a very uh, rise up here in the UFC heavyweight division. But uh, of course, uh, Daniel, this week it is UFC 293. A pay-per-view that, I mean, look, I, I think overall, if you look at the the comments on, on social media. This is not a fight card that people are absolutely loving as a premium product. I think that this is primarily a car that's being put on for the Australian audience. When you look at it, uh, if people did not see the pre-fight press conference from earlier today, uh, Izzy Manel cop and Kai car France getting into it. Of course, Manel cop, uh, not uh, thrilled. The fact that car France pulled out a couple weeks ago, uh, due to con- concussion symptoms. And, uh, Back and forth, and who would have thought Sean Strickland would be the voice of reason trying to calm everybody down? Never would have thought that one, but uh, but yeah, that was the uh, the major thing from the press conference here today. But of course, so we got four fighters who are making their UFC debut on this car. You got Felipe dos Santos, he was he's stepping in here to take on Manel Kopp, and uh, he was supposed to fight on the on Dan Weiss Contender Series. Uh, his fight was scratched due to his opponent missing weight and uh, his last fight was all the way back in November of last year uh, in LFA. You got Landon Quinones making his debut. Of course, he was on the Ultimate Fighter 31. He is going to be taking on Nasrod Haparas, who is nearly a 5-1 to betting favorite. And, and the first fight of the night is two guys making their UFC debut, uh, Kevin and Kiefer. Of course, Kiefer, a uh, Bellator veteran, went 4-3 in Bellator, but is coming off a win on the regional scene against Alex Cowboy Oliveira. But, you know, Daniel, it's all about the main event here between Izzy and, and Strickland. We, of course, we all know how this kind of played out. The UFC really wanted this to be Izzy versus Drake's Duplassiz. Duplessis does not take this, and... We all know. And even Izzy talked about this week. Like when you tell the UFC no to a title fight, you can't be all guaranteed. That's going to be your next fight. You may get passed up here. Sean Strickland take advantage of the opportunity. And like, as I've been thinking about this fight all week, Daniel, I'm just like, how does Sean, I mean, like crazy things happen in MMA, Matt, Sarah defeats GSP. Michael Bisping steps on, up a weak notice, knocks out Luke Rockhold, become the middleweight champion. Juliana Peña knocks off the goat in a man, Nunez. So crazy things can happen in this sport. But I'm, I just keep sitting here and going, if Sean Strickland's going to pull this off, and I heard a clip from an interview he did this week, and I think he put the game plan out there. He's got to get in Izzy's face. He's got to make this a dogfight. He's got to make this a scrap. If he sits at range, Izzy's going to pick him apart.
1: Yeah, it's... um. It's a fight where Sean should be a heavy underdog, but he's a gamer. Sean Strickland is absolutely a gamer, and he can fight like how you just described. So he can make things interesting. If you're Sean Strickland, you start to look at the mental advantage of this fight. Can you get the mental advantage? You know, Israel Adansanya is an incredibly smart fighter. Sometimes he gets in his own head. And Sean, I think lives outside of his head. This dude's crazy, so he might be able to do some things in the cage and in the lead up to this fight that get Izzy rattled and allow Sean to perform well on the feet and overwhelm him with a volume of strikes and aggression. The one thing is, we see what happens if you get overly aggressive. Is he's going to catch you and make you sleep you? But um, yeah, overall, UFC two ninety three is a pretty bad pay-per-view card. Uh, it, it's it's embarrassing. I mean, other than tied to Avasa Alexander Volkov, the rest of this pay-per-view card looks like a Dana White Contender Series card. And they're asking us to pay for it. it, it, it this pay-per-view is sold alone by the main event. And Sean Strickland's done his best job trying to promote this fight. You know, every time I look at a Sean Strickland interview, every single time, the video starts off with a disclaimer. I've never seen this happen before where every time there's an interview, there's literally a disclaimer. It's like what you're about to see was done in a joking manner. We say some stuff that might get us canceled. Like that is Sean Strickland. If he wins the championship might be the first guy to win a championship and have it stripped of him before he leaves the cage because of what he says in the post-fight interview. So uh, we shall see what happens at UFC 293.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I fully expect Izzy to go out there and win this fight. I mean, I mean, and this should be a fight that he should be able to stop Sean Strickland. I mean, cause the one thing about Strickland, you don't you you don't I think of a guy who who brings volume, brings pace, he's gonna be he's gonna be in your face for twenty five minutes. But I don't view him as a guy that's got that one punch knockout ability. So I think Izzy takes this. I mean, look, he's he's a over a six to one betting favorite in this one. I think he's probably gonna stop Sean Strickland at, at some point. But Izzy said this week, he said he goes, the most dangerous man is someone who walks in feeling they've got nothing to lose. Sean Strickland really has nothing to lose here.
1: No, and he does approach the game in a different way. They talk about how he trains in a different way, which I would say in a sport with so many different fighters and so many different gyms, if you're the only one who trains like the way you do, it's probably not the best way to train. You know?
0: <laughs> Did you see the open workouts this week?
1: Uh, I saw that Sean asked for somebody to come in and spar with him. Did yes, somebody and, take him up on that offer? Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: What? I, I couldn't believe the, way the UFC goes, no, Sean, no, Sean. <laughs> like, I got to feel like Dana White's worst nightmare. Sean Strickland wins the title.
1: I don't know. I feel like that's his wet dream.
0: I, dude, yeah. I, I'll say this. I, I watched his appearance on, on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple weeks ago. I mean, this dude's been through some stuff in his life. This dude is, you know, he's been through some stuff.
1: Yeah, that is the thing. Like he, he grew up in a really, really rough way. And that maybe explains things about him is that he grew up with a very rough, abusive father, alcoholic father. Um, his grandfather was racist. Uh, so, you know, he said a lot of stupid crap. He really has stuff that I can't defend. But there's also like a weird wholesomeness to what he says. So, I I don't know. Right now I'm watching this sparring session he does with the fan. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You see, like, there are times – oh, my gosh. So, there are times where Sean talks, and I just – I can't stand by what he says because it can be a little homophobic or sexist. But there are moments like this where I'm watching him spar a fan in a sparring session, and there's a wholesomeness and a love to this that I absolutely do love. And I also got to say, Sean's Strickland kind of looks like Michael Bisping in this clip a little bit. He looks like a Michael Bisping – Made love to Glover Teixeira, and they had a kid. I think that's what Sean Strickland would look like.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's. I, I just, I, I mean, I was, as I was driving to the studio this morning, I was just like, okay, was like, how does Sean Strickland get the job done? And, and the only thing I can really come up to is he just he makes this a, a brawling type fight, and just and, and the way I would describe it is, and I think he he kind of mentioned this week as well is, if you look at outside of Alex Bahia knocking out. Izzy, the guy that's had the most success against Izzy, and it's been obviously been some time now, is Kevin Gaslam, and Kevin Gaslam just brought the fight to Izzy. Obviously Izzy's a much different fighter now than he was back then, but to me, that's the only way Sean Strickland gets the job done.
1: The other thing is Sean Strickland does have a decent wrestling game, so don't forget about that. Is that Sean, obviously we know him for his striking, for his pressure, uh, just never gives up, but When I look at Sean Strickland, I also remember early on in his UFC career, he had good wrestling. I think he's maintained that. So he's a very well-rounded fighter. And obviously, Izzy has absurd takedown defense. Uh, It's pretty good, 77%. Um, When you look at Sean Strickland's statistics, his accuracy is 64%. We only see him attempt uh, a takedown average of one. So – That could be something we see in this championship fight. At the end of the day, Sean Strickland has an opportunity to change his life and forever go down as a UFC champion.
0: You would would think that Eric Nixick has made that a big part of the game plan for this one. You would have to imagine.
1: Yes. So he has that part of his game. And kind of when you examine Izzy's opponents and you look at Alex Pereira, you look at Jared Kianir, Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittorio, Jan Blackwich, Paulo Costa, Strickland might be one of the better wrestlers out of that group of guys. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm picking Izzy and Sonya, but also don't forget Izzy Odd and Sonya has now slayed the dragon that is Alex Pereira. Jason, sometimes once you slay the dragon, there's a bit of a, well, I've done it. You You get comfortable, and then that's when somebody comes at your neck.
0: And of course, co-main event, heavyweight matchup, Todd versus versus Alex. I'm
1: sorry. Before we move on, I got to say two things. One, my first off, this could be the year of the shit talker. This could be the year that the shit talker prevails. This could be the year of Deion Sanders goes out, beats TCU. The year Sean O'Malley becomes Bantamweight champion. The year Sean Strickland becomes middleweight champion. That's my first theory. And my second thing I want to get off my chest. I watched this UFC countdown. I, do they not care anymore when they're making these things? Why are we not seeing Sean Strickland's restroom in this hour-long <laughs> UFC countdown? Why, Jason? This is such an entertaining man with an absurd life.
0: I I watched the countdown show. I just I it just wasn't and entertaining to me. Like I, I just and you have like Sean Strickland. You it, have it, Sean Strickland. In it, 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 it feel like they they have to ask him
1: no I don't think so I think they just rinse and repeat they plug in oh this is the training segment this is this this is this this is the really cool drone shot like no, nah, bro give Sean Strickland a camera give him an iPhone tell him to vlog and then give you the footage back and then just plug it in there and it'll be more interesting
0: that'd be scary if you just gave him yeah. a camera let him do whatever he wants that'd be a little scary <laughs> yeah you might have to run that through HR
1: but I just had to mention those two things yeah. before we get into this amazing fight card
0: uh, Volkoff and Tuovasa. Uh, Volkoff minus two fifty betting favorite, plus two hundred five for Avassa. I mean, look, it's um, it's me, and I mean, we all love Avassa. We we love the personality of him, and I think we we always kind of hey I man, we want to see him knock somebody out, jump on the cage, and and. Do a shui. I mean, it's always entertaining, but I, I really don't love this matchup for him here, just because of I feel like you know, obviously Volkov's got. Uh, I, think, I want to say it's a six-inch reach advantage. In this one, I just see Volkov just going after the body in this one, particularly with some front kicks to slow down Tatovasa. I mean, look, Tatovasa. We all know he's got that one-punch knockout ability, but I just think he's going up against a better technical fighter here. I think Volkov gets the job done, but if you tell me an underdog is going to come in and win. It wouldn't shock me if Ty Tuvas is one of three, maybe four underdogs that that get a victory.
1: There's a part of me that can envision the Ty and knockout, you know, going overhand right, boom. But these are two heavyweights that are just on different trajectories right now. Ty's on the way down. Volkov has had a really good career, but it appears as though he's fighting like the best he's ever fought. With these last two wins over Romanov and Jair. So, I'm liking Volkov to fight smart and to showcase the improvements. And honestly, Alexander Volkov is looking like a guy who is getting his way back up to a UFC heavyweight championship opportunity. I think he continues with the win over Taito Avassa.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think Volkov wins this matchup, but it, I mean, two of us, if he can land one of those right hands, he could definitely win. Mel um, Kopp uh, taking on Felipe Dos Santos. Mel Kopp, I would say he's had, since then, you'll see, he's had like seven canceled fights. This guy just has no luck when it comes to it. I, this should be a showcase matchup for him against Felipe Dos Santos. You know, I mean, Justin Toffa, Austin Lane, we all saw how that first fight went with the, the eye poke that ended it there. I still like Justin Toffa to win that one. Uh, Tyson Pedro, like he—he's a guy that it, it, taking on uh, Anton here. To me, I ne- Tyson Pedro. I just you never know who you're going to get with him. He's—he's he's, you know fifty-fifty type fighter. Um, you know when I look at the rest of this card, uh, Jack Jenkins, Chepe uh, uh, Marskull is one that interests me. Um, I'm interested to see Charlie Radke making his UFC debut. He was a CFFC welterweight champion. He's kind of a rarity that we see now in the UFC. Is where he was actually signed by the UFC like back like in April. It wasn't you know. A, it seems like more times than not, it's like guys who are getting the UFC. It's a short notice opportunity stepping up. This is where he's literally had a, an eight week training camp to get ready here for Blood Diamond, still one of the greatest names in all of MMA. Yeah, who, who can't stop yeah. a takedown, by the way. <laughs>
1: oh it's uh it's 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 a fight that I hope stays on the feet but uh, I don't know if it will um is it still blood Diamond
0: yeah if you're Charlie Radke, why why would you have a striking matchup against blood Diamond because you're
1: Chuck Buffalo which is his nickname and I remember watching him fight uh, on a probably one of his more recent fights and I was impressed yeah I've seen Chuck- I yeah, I
0: I've, 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 I've seen him uh he was at one of the CFFC cards here in Tampa
1: I think that's the one I saw, the one that you went to. I want to say, could be wrong. Or maybe you just talked to the people on the card and I watched the fights. But uh, I saw him and I thought Chuck Buffalo, Charles Radke, has star power in terms of his personality and charisma. So I think we have Blood Diamond, it'll be fun. But um, yeah, I mean, look, this Freeland this card sucks too. But uh, yeah, Shane Young, Gabriel Baranda. I mean, that's the fight I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, Dion Jung is a good light heavyweight that I'm looking forward to see take on Carlos Juhlberg. But, like, again, the main card, Tyson Pedro and Anton Turcali is on the main card of a pay-per-view. The loser of this fight will get cut probably. This is not a good fight card. I can't I can't ex- explain it enough. I mean, this is this is bad, man. But, yeah, Jay Jenkins, that's the fight to look forward to in the prelims. Uh,
0: John McDessie, a part of this card, been a UFC veteran for a long time. And when you think John McDessie, you think of hands. You realize he's not won a fight by knockout since 2015.
1: That's crazy. That's Shane
0: Campbell at UFC 186.
1: That is crazy. But yes, I do think, I think it's because of the early, you know, John McDessie stuff, the kickboxing, the excitement and that's, yeah. But he's been using his wrestling more often than not. Has he not?
0: uh he has but i i think malarkey will be able to utilize his grappling here i mean like as i look at the card and i say who are the underdogs i think could could win i put tatu of us up there i even though i don't love the strength schedule it's lower level heavyweight mma what if you tell me austin lane goes out there when i would get shocked i like Taffa to win the fight um outside of that uh Maybe a, a Gabriel Miranda as an underdog. I, I just I think this is going to be pretty much a favorite to clean sweep here today on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I got Adam Sani, I got two of us. I got Cop, Tafa, and Pedro. But uh, whenever we pick things like that, there's going to be upsets It might be in the main event. But, like, dude, like, seriously, imagine if the UFC merged, the UFC 293, with the next two fight nights. So look at this fight. Look at this pay-per-view they could put on. Adesanya versus Strickland. Grasso versus Shevchenko two. Kevin Holland versus Jack della Maddalena. Madalena. Vasa versus uh, Alexander Volkov. Raphael Fiziev versus Matthias Gamron. Now that's a pay-per-view. Those are all fights that are happening in the next three weeks. And guess what? On the prelims we could put Bryce Mitchell and Danny Ige. But because the UFC is running an event each and every week, we get that kind of crap. I mean, it's it's promotional malpractice, as Lou Thomas like to say. That Jack Dela Magdalena is fighting a week after they're fighting in, in in Australia. What the hell is going on here?
0: Now you know it is tomorrow night, right?
1: Tomorrow night is Friday night. Is it uh, – who's who, what promotion is going on tomorrow night?
0: We got Game Bread, Bare Knuckle MMA, Junior Dos Santos versus Fabrizio Verdum, the fight we've all won. <laughs> that
1: one has slipped my radar. Who's who's winning? Who's winning? I got Junior Dos
0: Santos. <sighs> Ooh, man, that's a 50-50 fight. I mean uh... – <coughs> That's a 50-50 fight. <laughs> <laughs> at this at, at this point both these guys, I mean, I I I probably say for Brazil of Doom, but I, you can't trust either one of these guys. Who knows? Maybe the winner is fighting is fighting Francis Ngannou to get that payday. If if
1: one dude looks really impressive, uh, I'm looking at this fight card now. Yeah, see, Junior Dos Santos has not fought since he lost me a shoulder injury to Jorgen de Castro. So this is going to be a bare knuckle MMA fight, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Brand Jenkins versus Anthony Injacuani. Uh Earl Rivera versus Joshua Weems. Uh other names, uh Maki is on this card. Um was it? Is it Hen Brown?
1: Henen Barrow got a it's called a fizzled bout, which I don't know what that means. Well, it was he on Sean Soriano.
0: He's I want to say I saw an article the other day where he basically said like, "Yeah, I never signed on for this fight."
1: Yeah, that's what it says here in the topology. Uh, so, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Where, where um, is, this, is this a pay-per-view, Jason, or is this on a streaming service?
0: Uh, is it part of UFC Fight Pass? Uh,
1: I can't really tell.
0: I canceled my Fight Pass subscription a while ago. You know, I, I thought about re-upping it just to be able to watch some stuff. Um, Just pulling up Fight Pass right now. I can't tell. I feel like he's on. I feel like he's on Fight Pass. No,
1: I don't see. I don't see Fight Pass on the poster.
0: No, I don't see it. Maybe maybe it is a maybe it is a uh, actual pay per view.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. I mean, we'll 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 watch what happens. We'll see.
0: Look, if something notable happens, you know it will be all over Twitter or X.
1: Oh, dude! The entire car is gonna be for free on YouTube.
0: Oof. Got nothing going on tomorrow night. Maybe yeah. I'll just pop that up. Maybe I will that's I just you know sit you know sit in, in the recliner and uh, watch some game bred bare knuckle MMA. I don't, yeah. know what that says, I don't know what that says about me, Daniel.
1: Dude, these this YouTube channel is pretty successful. I mean. Uh, Roy Nelson fought got nearly a million views for a bare knuckle he fought at game Bread Bare Knuckle 4
0: yeah he's fighting um they just announced him and Alan Belcher are going to headline the next uh game Bread card
1: wow yeah they uh him and Alan Belcher Alan Belcher's a beast right now you
0: yeah Belcher got weird. uh he got released from his um BKFC deal
1: interesting well, yeah, maybe. I mean, look, maybe Jorge Masvidal is onto something over here with this game brand. I'm just looking at his YouTube channel, and I'm pretty impressed with the marketing. I'm pretty impressed with the thumbnails. You know, they're they're only getting a. It's not like every video is getting a big time viewership, uh, but they know what they're doing with some of these video titles and thumbnails.
0: By the way, I should mention uh, the main events for UFC Vegas 80 and UFC Vegas 81 have been announced. UFC Vegas 80 on October 7th is Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green. And then uh, UFC, UFC Vegas 81, which will be the following Saturday, will be Sadiq Youssef versus Edson Barboza.
1: Yeah, uh, Sadiq Youssef, Edson Barboza, that's a damn good fight card. I just, uh, yeah, I'm a damn good fight. Uh, I'm just looking at headlines here. I Sanya would like to share the UFC 300 card of Volkanovsky. I think that would be a pretty good man. Uh, who, who you got some, you got some updated predictions on what UFC 300 looks like. Is it going to be Izzy and DDP and, and uh, Volkanovsky and somebody.
0: Don't you got to think in the ideal world? If you're the UFC, it's Connor versus somebody saying Connor beats Chandler whenever they fight
1: maybe it's connor versus chandler hey <laughs> ufc 300 maybe it gets delayed that much but yeah in the ideal ufc world of connor beats chandler that's your main event
0: i did uh i did see i so I, I haven't watched the interview but i saw someone i guess noting i guess apparently during the korean zombies interview on Hawaii show yesterday he mentioned about boxing oh whoa you retire lasted like a week
1: yeah, but that's the norm, bro. That's the norm. Is like you come out of retirement days later when you go on aerial show.
0: Yeah, man. I just like once again, why you never believe retirements in mixed martial arts? Yeah, yeah. That's uh. You should never weird. believe retirements. Never, because they no. don't. They don't work out. No,
1: it's it, not that they don't work out. They just aren't real. Okay, they just did. Uh, a guy can't retire from competing in the sport and then go home on a Monday and not have that itch to get back and compete. That's what these people do.
0: Look at Paul Felder. Paul Felder's, you know, he, he's, he's re entered the U.S. drug testing pool. He's not really saying whether or not, but then I did see someone mention UFC 300. Paul Felder versus Jim Miller.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm all in on that one. I'm all in on that one. And, yeah, if there's one guy who I thought would stay retired, it might be Paul Felder just because you have a really good gig, right? Like Daniel Cormier has a really good gig. You're a commentator. You're making that money and you're around the fight game and you get to exert your competitiveness by doing preparation for broadcast. But even Paul Felder can't stay away. Paul Felder, Jim Miller, that's a that's a good That's a good fight to watch. I mean, as long as Jim Miller makes the UFC 300, that's all I care about. That's the only thing I want on that card is Jim Miller fighting.
0: Be crazy if it, you know be a part of UFC 100, UFC 200, and UFC 300. That'd be crazy out there. But yeah, it's uh, you know Paul Felder. I mean, he 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 said that he's been, got back in a room and and he said you know he's like hey I want to be back in a room with the guys. I want to help these guys out. I mean, I would say that if if the UFC went to Philadelphia, then I think it, I could see Paul Felder going. You know what? Let me be on that Philly card. Let me let me have one more run at this. And don't and don't give him some young stud. Give him some yeah. guy who's, you know uh, th- th- tell them their career.
1: Yeah, yeah. Be nice to your commentator. Don't don't let him get his ass kicked on TV. Uh yeah, that that'd be great. I mean, we've seen over the past couple weeks how cool it is to fight in front of your home fans. So the idea of him fighting in Philly would be great. Again, I can't overstate how cool it was to see that Paris card, bro. Those French fans. Mm -hmm. They were into it. They were singing. They were chanting. They made that fight card awesome. The fans in Singapore the week before were great. The fans in Boston for UFC 292, they were fantastic. You know, it's going to make me rue the day when they return back to the Apex. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying these fans and these interactions and the loyalty they have to their fighters.
0: Just the in-home experience of just sitting there and watching the fights on my couch. It's like when they're in front of fans, it's like you, you feel that environment. Then they go to the Apex, you're just like, oh. Yeah. A, it's a dead environment.
1: Yeah. The U.S. government needs to make it illegal to do sports in front of no fans because it just, just uh, it feels awful. It's just, it's sanitized. I don't know. It just feels awful. I, I hate watching the, the fights whenever they do it in the Apex and no one's there to make noise. It's like,
0: oh, oh dude, I'm with you. It, it's just, it's, you know. And, and unfortunately, the apex cards are they're they're not the cards that get you the most excited usually there's one two three fights that get you excited and the rest of the card you're like eh, I-, I watched after the fact i mean that's just you, you you would hope that the ufc would get away from apex cards but i just don't think they will
1: well that's the biggest problem with the UFC 293 is if you take out the main event it looks like an apex card
0: yeah it's I it's that's it. It's a it's a fight night card outside the main event for an Australian audience.
1: Yeah, yeah, bro. That's what they that's what they're putting on pay per view.
0: Yeah, you know? I just you know it. You know, I, I will say I thought one of the more interesting things uh someone commented to me the other day was they were just talking about uh, the conversation we had. I don't know if it was last, last week's podcast, maybe two weeks ago, about the ticket pricing thing of just for the common fan. It, it's hard to justify paying that price.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt about it. It's true. You had to make a tough decision not to go to watch Florida State beat LSU because you wanted to go and possibly spend it on a national championship ticket. And yeah,
0: so that's I'm, the I'm, I'm going up to I'm going to the Tallahassee uh, the first Saturday in October uh, for the Va Tech game. Go up there with my brother and see my niece. Um, but, yeah. I'm sure those those tickets, yeah, it's a hot ticket right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, y'all went, y'all, I don't know how y'all did it, but y'all literally won the national championship after one week of college football.
0: I'm going to tell you this right now. If you are ESPN, now the odds of this happening is probably 5%. Is your dream national title game Florida State versus Colorado?
1: Your dream national championship game definitely involves Colorado. Colorado is definitely the (laughs) one team. Because the thing with Colorado is that's the type of team that gets people who aren't college football fans to watch the game. And that's why Colorado is involved in their dream. Florida State's up there. Honestly, it's probably like Colorado versus like um, Texas. Colorado versus Texas. I think. Oh,
0: we're going we're to find out how good Texas is this weekend. <laughs>
1: I know. I know. We'll see what's up, man. Jalen Milroe versus the Longhorns. I'm rooting for Alabama because I'm a Texas AM fan, and so screw the Longhorns. Uh, but, yeah, that's going to be a good game. But honestly, yes, I think Texas versus Colorado is the biggest game. But also maybe I'm biased and you're biased, but you live in Florida, so you think Florida State means more, and I think Texas means more. So maybe, maybe – Oh, I was going to say USC versus Colorado, but they're already going to play in the Pac 12 Championship. All right, here's my last one. Here's my last one Colorado versus Notre Dame. That's what they're rooting for.
0: I'll say this Deion Key said receipts. That, that interaction aware. between it was so I'm sure you've seen that clip of he's talking to a reporter, and goes, So do you believe now? Do you believe now? He was talking to Ed Warder, the former ESPN reporter.
1: I know, but is he inventing receipts? Like, what did he say?
0: I guess Ed, I don't know if he, he works for a TV station or something in Dallas. And I guess basically, I guess he wrote basically, Colorado's not good. And, uh, you know, I will say this. You, I do like the fact that, you know, Dion doesn't give the captains that either you're a, or an L or a dog. D. I was a like, that's good. Uh, uh, you're either a leader or a dog. And he goes, you can't be both. He goes, either you're a leader or you're a dog. Yeah. Yeah, Travis like Hunter, it. oof, that kid can play, man. Dude, Travis Hunter needs to stop
1: playing both ways because let me tell him a secret. You're not going to get any more money in the NFL <laughs> playing both ways. So stop Dude,
0: doing it. Sonny Dykes, a TCU coach, he was like, he was asked about it. He goes, Yeah, hey, guys, on my side. I looked at them, going, That dude's playing both ways. You can't be tired. Yeah. 110 snaps. I, that is. <laughs>
1: In that, in that Texas weather. I mean, that's that was one of the craziest performances we have ever seen because he was productive on both sides, like absurdly productive offensively and defensively. He was shutting things down. Travis Hunter is immediately the Heisman frontrunner. If he's able to keep this up, we're talking about the Shohei Atani of football.
0: Dude, it, it was just great for me to wake up on a Saturday morning and – Turn on ESPN as College Game Day. Life is good.
1: Well, guess what, dude? Don't rub it in my face, you jerk. I no, but, but, if you log,
0: but if you log into your ESPN Plus account, you can't watch ESPN. Or is no. it is it tied to Spectrum?
1: It's tied to Spectrum. Things that are on Spectrum, I can't watch on ESPN Plus. So yeah, I missed College so,
0: Game Day. So I'll talk. So uh, at the bars, we have Direct TV locally here in the Tampa Bay area. The NBC affiliate does not have a deal with Directv. Ugh. Yeah,
1: so you can't watch NBC stuff.
0: Uh, we had to buy over-the-air antennas. Damn,
1: that's crazy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just it's, it's, I just yeah.
0: feel like it's. We're, I mean, look, I I cut the cord years ago. I just feel like we're just heading to a completely digital way of 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 watching content. I just feel like the, the traditional ways of how I grew up with a, with a cable subscription and you know, until Jesus I, I literally had YouTube TV since like within like three months of them launching it. I mean, God knows how long that's been. And I, I cause I remember before that I had direct TV and it just, the price point I just, I couldn't justify it. Yeah.
1: It's, it, it it's getting me to go to YouTube TV with this cable situation I'm like like if I if I don't get ESPN in the next couple of weeks I'm going to YouTube TV
0: yeah the the only bad thing to me is um with YouTube TV is I don't have ballys, so I can't watch the the re you know the the local regional teams in Florida so primarily even though I'm not as huge of a baseball fan as I once was like for me, the bigger thing is I don't have the ability to watch the Lightning or, or watch the Magic, which I just wish. Can we just get rid of the blackout rules? And let me just buy the the, uh, the yearly pass from M- get NBA League pass so I can watch the Magic play?
1: Yeah. yeah you know, we
0: we might so have cool. a decent team.
1: Yeah, it's so stupid. The blackout rules are so dumb.
0: Yeah, but like, honestly, like, I don't watch a lot of quote-unquote live TV that's not sports-related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean most of, most of the stuff I watch Is either via Netflix Hulu Or uh, Paramount Plus
1: That's definitely how most people do things You know that's just No one's watching stuff on TV Waiting for the new episode to air I mean that's just not how like, it's watched no. I
0: keep getting the emails from Peacock Offering essentially their product for next to nothing I'm like well, what am I going to watch on Peacock
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Not much no, Unless you're a WWE fan that's that's it. That's kind of what you're into. If you're a big fan of WWE, but there isn't a lot
0: because like I, I think about like outside of like a Law and Order, I don't think I really watch any NBC content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing. like I, I can't think of any inner programs on NBC that I would say I've watched.
1: No, there. I mean, there's some good shows, but if you're making that decision on like what you're going to cut. Peacock doesn't make the list. When you compare it with Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, you the list gets long with the amount of things you subscribe to. And it's like Peacock, you're you're not making the list, my man.
0: I I did. I did watch uh Swamp Kings, which was essentially a PR effort for Urban Meyer. I watched two episodes. I'm like, this is not getting into the juicy stuff. I, mean, I just stopped watching it. I liked I, the Manziel documentary. I thought was good. I thought that one was good. Um then I think there's a is there a wrestling documentary that's about to drop on Netflix? Is there? That is maybe there? Al Snow's involved in?
1: Oh, I know they're doing something on OVW, so that's probably it.
0: Yeah, I think is it maybe called Wrestler?
1: Yeah, it's called Wrestlers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that. Um, saw because I remember like it was. I think it was, it was a marketing email from Netflix. I got that that note about that
1: yeah it's gonna be september 13th
0: so so you mentioned about the 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 tailbone hurting a little bit are are we back in the uh, ring this weekend not until the 24th that's
1: the next time we're back so uh heal up get to the gym get in better shape and uh you know got a busy october busy november but we are chilling for the next couple weeks my man so we are enjoying the weekends we are watching some football you know for as long as the Texans remain interested.
0: so you're telling me you're leveling up is what you're doing right now that's
1: right. That's right. You know, today's going to be all work. But tomorrow, we'll get to the gym early morning for work and, and uh, get back after it. But yeah, today's one more day of rest. And then we'll get back at it. Because, you know, at my day job, I, I'm basically working all day long, Thursdays and Fridays, because after my normal shift of covering the news, I got to go cover high school football. So yeah, you get back at the gym tomorrow morning, man. How are you doing?
0: doing good man uh, you know I, I think i'm you know probably relax uh, i'm going to a i'm going to a concert tonight oh, and uh going to same it. hunt it's it's only bad th- only bad thing about dame is at an outside venue and well oh, you yeah
1: yeah i know what yeah. that ain't fun
0: I, I, let's just say i'm off the medication that i was taking the past couple of days for my back
1: yeah so
0: um as you like to say me and Daddy Sodas gonna have a, a one-on-one meeting.
1: <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Hey, yeah, man.
0: yeah, go. Yeah, then uh, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon head head to Minneapolis. I've always had a, always had a good time in Minneapolis. I was you know so that will be a good time. And then Sunday, um, Bucks Vikings Week One, and uh, you know go go up there and get a W.
1: Yeah, man. I hope you guys have a good season. I'll be rooting for y'all. You know, hopefully the Texans get a win. I, I don't like our chances, but uh, each and every week, got to try hard and believe. You know, that's what I say as a Texas Rangers fan as we go through the biggest lump of all time. But, uh, you know, let's get after it. Who, who are the Texans playing? The Ravens. So it's not looking good. Looking yeah, good. yeah. Ball
0: I, I, I tell people I, it's yeah. funny. It's like and people, and my friends, they know that what I've I've done for the last twenty years of my life, and they'll start telling me about everything's going in the NFL. Like, hey, Jason, did you see that? I go, dude. If it's not the Bucks or NFC South related, good chance I have no idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're in your own bubble, you know, because there's so much in that bubble to to take your time. But yeah, Ravens week one. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on this week. Is Baker Mayfield starting for y'all? Have they yeah. announced that? Yeah, Baker's a cool. starter.
0: Yeah, I'll Baker, be rooting for him. Yeah, Baker's a starter, and it's going to be interesting. We, we, haven't, we haven't seen the first-team offense. I mean, that, that's kind of an interesting thing about uh, preseason across the league is how coaches have handled preseason. It seems Preseason for more of these coaches is, is about evaluating the the other half of their roster as opposed to the guys that we're going to see on the field. I mean, I mean, look, week one around the NFL, we're probably going to see a lot of missed tackles. You know, that's kind of the way it goes. You know, yeah. probably see some high scoring games, and uh yeah. this will be the first time I get to see Justin Jefferson uh, in person. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see you. You know, obviously, I, I, I mean, if you say who's the best wide receiver in the NFL, I think a lot of people probably would say it's Justin Jefferson.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I and mean, he he's a special talent, and uh, yeah, that'll be a good game, man. I think Jefferson. It's gotta be right up there. Jamar Chase is also up there, but both yeah, LSU knows, guys. Yeah, yeah. Just pick a random LSU guy. You're gonna get a great wide receiver. I'll see Odell Beckham in Baltimore. See what he does in week one. Uh but yeah, I mean who knows? Maybe Garrett Wilson will be the number one receiver by the end of the year. We'll see what he does with Aaron Rodgers.
0: I did not watch much of Hard Knocks. No, yeah, it's just it's just
1: PR for the
0: Jets. Well, I guess I saw a note. I guess so they didn't show footage of them cutting players?
1: Yeah, they didn't. That was like a request by the Jets, which is just like, well, then are they not going to show teams lose on Sundays? <laughs> is that going to be the like, like, come on, it's reality. Like, let's. Come
0: hey, on. look, look, I just want to be Bosa's agent. Ooh, that was a payday. Woo. He got paid.
1: <laughs> yeah, he deserved it, though. That was, he. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league and, you know. If you're, the, if you're the Niners, you pay you pay all those other dudes. You got to pay the best player in the league. That's not a quarterback, and uh, that's what Nick Bosa is. But uh, yeah, that hey, that made I, a lot of sense.
0: I always say this: in NFL, you got there's three positions you got to have dudes at: quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher.
1: Yep, three most important positions in football.
0: Yeah, if you don't if you don't have those positions, I mean, there might be a case like you think Trent Dilfer. With the Ravens, with that defense, but for most part, you gotta have those three posi- those three positions. You, you don't, and yeah, yeah, not that about But it. No, I, look, about I'm looking forward to you know watching some football. Being I mean, uh, once we get done with the game, I'll have a four o'clock game on on the phone as we're sitting on the bus going going back to the uh, the airport. But yeah, man, it's it's always a uh, I love this time of year. And God if the the weather can get like out of the nineties, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. It's. It's just the best time of the year, no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. But of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, we come out uh, Wednesday or Thursday. It kind of depends on my, myself and Daniel's schedule, but we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the Ameriport Podcast.